you know, this is all you know, Allah assisting you to do good deeds. And likewise, sometimes the punishment, the punishment of, 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 of a sin is that you're prevented from doing good deeds. So sometimes brothers, they ask, they say, oh, you know, oh, brother, I have problems, you know, getting up for Fajr. I have problems getting up for the night prayer, you know, the Tahajr prayer. Well, maybe some sins that you're doing. That because of these sins, Allah is punishing you and not allowing you to reach those other good deeds. That had you, you know what I'm saying, repented from some sins and so forth, Allah would have made it easier for you to gain more good deeds and so forth. Yes, brother. And the evidences are numerous, you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, uh, those who strive uh, in us, right? We will guide them to our paths. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, if you strive, you know, in Allah Allah will guide you to, to his paths, you know what I'm saying? All these paths of good, you know what I'm saying? That's one evidence. And there's there's many evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, so part of, uh, when you do good, Allah leads you to more good, you know what I'm saying? That's why the earliest Muslims used to say, you know, well, they used to say, by Allah, we can see the effects of a sin we do in the way our wives start treating us, in the way our children start acting us, even in the way of our horse, Starts, you know, acting us when we ride upon it. You know what I'm saying? Because they were very aware of their circumstances around them. You know what I'm saying? And people who had, had life. So, you know, they would, you know, sense that, you know, this day everybody is sort of standoffish and says, "Oh, I must have done some sort of sin." The creation now is, you know, the the reek of my sin. You know what I'm saying? Is now affecting the creation around me, and, and I'm doing a good deed now, and the, the creation is all, you know, what I'm saying, coming around me and so forth. So they used to be aware of this thing. So the point is, is that. Allah, when you see somebody has gone astray, we say Allah sets astray. Whoever Allah sets astray, there's none to guide him. Okay. When Allah set that individual astray, did he do it out of justice or did he do it unjustly? Justly. Because that person went on that path. That person chose that path, so Allah lets him go on that path, abandoned him, him to what he wanted. And likewise, when we say that when whoever Allah guides, none can set him astray. When Allah has guided that person, it's out of Allah's blessing upon that person. Because that person, you never deserve the guidance. You know what I'm saying? It's, even though, it's like a blessing. It's a gift from Allah. Because even though you make efforts to it, you know what I'm saying? You don't make, your efforts are never good enough to get the blessing. It's not, you shouldn't think of it as like as an equal trade, okay? Uh, this bottle of water, let's say, costs uh, $2, okay? A dollar, a dollar. So, so, you know, I go to a store, I say, okay, here's a, here's a dollar, okay? I want the bottle of water. Okay, here's two bucks, give me, huh? Uh, you know what a buck is? Okay, so I say bucks off. So here's two bucks. You know, give me the bottle of water. So this is this is uh, this is something which is equal. You know what I'm saying? This is a price, and here's the money. But for guidance, right? Guidance is not like that. Guidance is a blessing from Allah that He has blessed you and selected you for guidance. Yes, you know He selects those who want guidance. You know who seek the truth. But your desiring of the truth and your wanting of guidance is never enough or sufficient to really get this blessing. You see what I'm saying? So. Now, so the, the brother brought up the hadith about what about that hadith that the Prophet said that you know, a person will be a single hand span from either heaven or hell and then the book will come into play and it will, it will overtake and so that he will either go to it will be a single hand span from heaven and the book will overtake him and then he will go to hell. It's a single hand span from hell and the book will overtake him, and he'll go to heaven. What does that mean? Because what apparently appears to us is, you know, you might see this person and say, you know, I see this guy, you know, for the last 15 years, he's sitting on this corner drunk, you know what I'm saying? 
uh, with his bottle of uh, whiskey and so forth. You know, this person, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Before his death, you know what I'm saying? Maybe a week before his death, all of a sudden now, he comes walking into the center. And he says, you know, I, I'm looking for, you know, the truth and I think you people have it. So you explain to him the shahada and he, he takes Muslim. Then he dies, you know, two days later. Okay. It appeared to us his whole life that he was a person hanging the hellfire, right? But Allah had decreed in the, in, the, in, the, in the tablet, in the preserved tablet, that this person would be one of the people of Jannah. And so now you actually see how comes he, he takes the shahada before his, before his death. And there's another person who looks to you, well, this person is like on the truth, you know what I'm saying? His whole, his whole life, you know what I'm saying? And mashallah and so forth. And then all of a sudden, just before you know, he dies, he, his heart becomes perverse, and he gets into a car accident, and he dies upon you know, something evil. You know, may Allah preserve us from that. Just like there's a story which the Urna mentioned, that there used to be in, in Andalus, in Spain, there used to be a mu'adhan. But for years and years, used to call the adhan. And you know, in those days when they used to call the adhan, of course, they didn't have microphones, you know, like we have speakers, okay, which would broadcast it. So they used to actually have to climb to a high place. And climbing to the high place, I mean, that's why one of the, the conditions for the mu'adhan is that he's trustworthy. Because not only trustworthy that he gives the adhan on time, but trustworthy in the sense that when he's climbing on those high places, he's not peering to the homes of people, right? Because there might be women and, and so forth, they're not to look at them, you know, we're not dressed people and so forth. Because if you're at a high, you know, you can see into people's homes and so forth. But, so anyway, he, at, at, by, by, it happened that, that, that he happened to peer into a home and he saw a very beautiful, you know, woman. So his heart became attached, you know, to her. So then, you know, he kept on looking and so forth until his heart became more and more attached. And then he decided to, um, you know, go down and, and, and talk to her. So he said, you know, I'm just, you know, overtaken by your beauty. Uh, I would want to marry you. She said to him, I'm a Christian. And my father will not allow you to marry me, huh? unless you become a Christian. So, he, you know, decided to become a Christian and leave the, the religion of Islam. And he married her, and then after some time, uh, he had something to do uh, to fix something on the roof. So he climbed the roof and he fell and broke his neck and died. So, when he was doing for all those years the adhan, I mean, people would say, you know, the hadith of Prophet you know what I'm saying, that whoever says adhan for 12 years, he's going through paradise. But yet, you know what I'm saying, in the end, what was, de- you know, what was decreed, what Allah knew of this individual, before Allah created him, this person was going to be people of the hellfire, it came forth, you see what I'm saying, that something occurred before his death, he, you know, fell in love with this girl, decided to leave his religion, and he died without repenting, you know, and leaving that. So that's to what the hadith refers to. So let's try to finish the paragraph. So the determinations, so now, so we said that, so uh, with his justice Allah leads astray whom he wills and abandons him, and by his grace he guides whom he wills and assists him. Thus the way is made easy by Allah's operation for each of them to reach misery and happiness, already fixed for them in Allah's foreknowledge and predetermination. In other words, you know, your, your, your future is already huh, fixed for you. That's why, you know, the hadith, somebody asked me, I guess, last night, the, the hadith of um, that when the soul is blown into the fetus, right? Allah decrees the angel who comes to the soul, you know what I'm saying, the angel guarding the fetus, to write four words, you know. How long that individual is going to live, how much sustenance they're going to receive, will it be male or female, and also, in the hereafter, will they be in, huh? Paradise or hell, will they be sorry 
or, or, or sorrowful, or will they be happy? You know, they have sorrow, have happiness now. So, so this is decreed. But as, as I mentioned, just because Allah knows of it and has written the preserved tablet, doesn't mean that Allah compelled that person for that. So this is just a manifestation of Allah's knowledge and so forth. Um, and so therefore, uh, uh, so then he says, exalted be Allah Ta'ala for there to be in his realm what he does not will, or for there to be anyone independent of him. He has created everything. He is Lord of all human beings, Lord of their works, the predeterminer of their movements and their appointed terms. Okay, so what does all this mean? All this means that, you know, in the sense that when an unbeliever is an unbeliever, when the sinner is a sinner, he doesn't do that outside of Allah's will. See, people, when they break the law, right, they break the law, and the, and the government sometimes, the local authorities, the police force, whoever, they cannot stop them, you know what I'm saying? And so therefore, they're, they're stronger than them. And sometimes they're so strong, they decide just to leave them alone because they... They're, they fear retaliation, right? But nothing of an act of disobedience goes against Allah's will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed it. Even though Allah has hated it and He has forbidden it and He has held people responsible for doing it. But He has allowed it. Well, so the question might ask, somebody might ask, why is it that Allah has allowed for evil to occur? That's a question somebody might ask. First of all, we should know that regarding Allah's actions, the rule is, we do not question Allah, but Allah questions us regarding our actions. Allah in the Qur'an has told us that they do not ask Him. They're not to question about what He does, but He will question them, but they do. So one can never question Allah as to why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there is a wisdom behind it. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to, be, to worship Him. And there are forms of worship that could not occur unless there was evil. Restraint from doing haram. If there was no test, if there was nothing alluring to you, that restraint for doing that, you know, that act of worship that Allah wants from us could not come about. Commanding good and forbidding evil. If there was no good and evil to, to forbid and so forth, then that act of worship could not come. The act of worship of da'wah, calling people to the truth. The act of worship of repenting. You know what I'm saying? Recognizing a sin and then repenting from it. You know what I'm saying? Which Allah loves us to show Him that remorse. And that feeling of sorrow, this, these acts of worship could not have occurred, you know, uh, unless there was good and evil. And likewise, the names and attributes of Allah to be manifested, that He forgives, that He punishes, that He is, um, He accepts the repentance, these cannot be manifested unless there was good and evil. So, if we were to imagine a world, you know, yes, Allah could have created a world with no disobedience and no only pure good and so forth, but it wouldn't be the world that we won't know. And likewise, when they ask me the question like that, you know, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be human beings, it would be some other creature. Allah could create it like that, of course, but we would not be human beings. What makes human beings this type of creature, this type of world, type of universe we live in, this type of environment, is as Allah has created And there is a wisdom for it. Let me give you some few, a few ayats, inshallah ta'ala, and then I'll take some questions. So, the fact that, um, as we said in this paragraph 7, that Allah, by His grace, He guides whom He wills and assists Him, a good evidence uh, uh, for that, and that he sets astray who he wills. Uh, a good evidence is Surah 6, Ayah 125. Surah 6, Ayah 125. Where, uh, that Allah Francis says uh, that whoever Allah wants to guide, Yashrah Sadrahu Lil Islam. He opens his, his breast to, for Islam. In other words, he opens his heart to accept Islam. Okay? And that whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to set astray, he makes his breast you know, he makes it makes it tight, you know, 
Then Allah describes how tight it is, is as if the person is ascending in, in, in the sky. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so his, 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 his chest becomes tight and so forth. He can't accept the truth, okay? Uh, and likewise, the fact that, uh, that nothing occurs uh, that, you know, except as Allah willed, uh, we have another an ayah from Surah 16, ayah 93. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَجَعَلَكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا وَلَكِنْ يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ Surah 16, ayah 93. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that had Allah willed, He would have made you a single ummah. Meaning all believers. But He uh, sets astray who He wills and He guides whom He wills. Had Allah wanted, everybody on the earth could have been a, a believer. Um, uh, likewise, uh, we, we said, one of the paragraphs we said, uh, that, that there no one is independent of Allah Azza wa Jal. The proof is uh, Surah 35, Ayah 15, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal nas, antumul fuqara ilallah, wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. O humanity, you are the impoverished before Allah. And Allah is al-ghani, free of any wants, and he's al-hamid, deserving all and every praise. And then he praises himself. Uh, that's Surah 35, Ayah 15. Okay. Uh, likewise, we said, in the, um, we said in the next sentence, we said he has created everything. Uh, the proof is Surah Zumar, Surah 39, Ayah 62, where... Uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu khariku kulli shay. Allah has created everything. So there's not anything except that Allah has created it. Either creator or created uh, being, creature of his. Now. Um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created uh, our deeds. Uh, the proof is uh, from Surah Al-Safat, Surah uh, 37, Ayah 96, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاللَّهُ خَلَقَكُمْ وَمَا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you and what you do, what your works are. Now, so, so that is uh, this paragraph um, uh, concerning that. Um, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has... Um, uh, uh, so, we have, so we have the discussion questions. Um, is it possible for, anyone to, for Allah to set anyone astray? Yes. There's many evidences in the Quran which says Allah sets people astray. Can anything be independent of Allah? No. No. And the proof is that that ayah which I just quoted from Surah Al-Fatha, Surah 35, that, O humanity, you are the impoverished before Allah. Who created the deeds of human beings? Allah. The proof is that last ayah which I I quoted uh, from Surah um, Al-Safat, ayah 96, uh, where Allah says He has created you and your your works. uh, who has measured the lengths of the lives of human beings? How long do you live? Huh? It is Allah Azza wa Jalla. So that, this leads us uh, to the next paragraph, which we, at least we'll... Um, I think we have time to, uh, to, to, to take it. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a, a short paragraph in the sense that it doesn't have many points. But So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets astray who He wants and He guides who He wants, right? Somebody might say, somebody might argue, well then, this is injustice. If Allah has set me astray, if Allah wills to send me astray, then, then, then what is, why should I be punished for that? He, he has willed that and I've gone astray. So the author now brings, after talking about Allah 
that he owns one deity, he should only worship alone, that his attributes, and from his attributes is the Quran, he speaks about the Quran, that is the words of Allah, then he spoke about Allah's Qadr, and now he's bringing about the messengers. Okay? He ties it into the Qadr, and he says that he is the sender of messengers to humanity for the purpose of establishing the proof against them. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the proof is Surah 4, Ayah 165. Allah says, Rusulan, messengers, were sent, Mubashirina wa Mundirin. They were sent giving glad tidings and warnings. Why? So that nobody, no human being, would have an argument with Allah after the sending of the messengers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the messengers uh, to, to give glad tidings and to warn, so nobody could have an excuse before Allah after sending the messengers. So if the message reaches you as a human being, you have no excuse. So here I want to to mention uh, uh, two, uh, one hadith and one principle. One hadith and one principle. Uh, the hadith is, is that we say uh, that whoever reaches him the truth, he's held responsible for that, his, his deeds. And the proof is that the Prophet ﷺ said there is not a single Jew or Christian from this ummah. It's the hadith of Abu Hurairah and Sahih Muslim. There's not a single Jew or Christian from this ummah who hears about me and then does not believe in me, except that he is among the inhabitants of the hellfire. Okay, I'll, I'll come to that. The brother asked, what does it mean from this ummah? It means, you see, the ummah of Muhammad Wasallam is every single... The ummah of Muhammad Wasallam is two, two aspects to the ummah of Muhammad Wasallam. Uh, one aspect of the ummah of Muhammad Wasallam is the, what we call the ummah of da'wah. Ummah al-Da'wah. This is one aspect of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Which means every single human being and every single jinn who has lived since the time the Prophet was sent until the Day of Judgment, they're all part of the Ummah of Da'wah of Muhammad Sallallahu Okay? And then there is the second aspect of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu which is known as Ummah al-Ijaba. Those who have responded. So these are the human beings and the jinns, huh? Who have said, La ilaha Allah, Muhammad Rasulullah. They have responded to the call of the Messenger of Allah. And they have believed in him, okay? So the Ummah of Da'wah is in that. So when the Prophet said there is not a single Jew or Christian from this Ummah, he meant those Jews and Christians who have lived since his sending, from his time until the Day of Judgment. Right. In, in, in some sense, it refers to today, without doubt. But the answer means it's the Ummah of Ijaba, the Ummah who responded. Huh? Ijaba, Ijaba. Um, you might write it in Latin letters I J A B A. Ummah to Ijaba. So, so the point is, is that, um, in that sense it means like, or when the Prophet said his ummah will divide into 73 groups, it means those who have responded, you know what I'm saying. But in this hadith it means those who have, who have existed, you know what I'm saying. So the fact that the Prophet mentioned the Jews and the Christians who originally have a messenger and a scripture, right, is an indication that those who have no messenger and no scripture, like the uh, Chinese, you know what I'm saying, who are the, Bud- the Buddhists or the Hindus or... The people in Africa, you know, the, the uh, pagans and so forth. I mean, this is more so is applying to them. Because if you have a scripture, and this is applying to them, what happens if you have no scripture? 
But the point is, the Prophet ﷺ said, what? Huh? Who hears about me? So in other words, the message has to reach him. So if Islam reaches them to them in a perverted manner, you know what I'm saying? Then, then obviously they, they, they still have an excuse before Allah. Yes, brother. No, no. Yes, I mean the sense that in the before the end of time, the whole earth will enter into Islam. That's what that hadith refers to. And before the end of time, when Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam comes down, you know, saying the whole earth will enter into Islam. So if there are human beings at that time living in Australia, they will all be Muslims. If there's a city called Melbourne at the time of the, the center of Jesus, the son of Mary, alayhi salam, this will be an Islamic city. So, but that doesn't mean that the da'wah is going to necessarily reach every human being. Now, now the point is, is that, um, so that's that hadith. So if the message doesn't reach them, then they're not held responsible. Now somebody might ask a question, okay, so-and-so who lives on so-and-so street in Melbourne, has, has, I, I gave him da'wah, has the message reached them? Allah knows, this is something we can't enter into. Because there, as a human being, you cannot say when enough proof has been given to that human being. That's something that Allah, his creator, when he raises him on the day of judgment, will, will, will say this human being has enough sufficient proof or not. Okay? And that's why there's another hadith the Prophet ﷺ tells us that four groups of people, hadith in Muslim of Imam Ahmed, four groups of people will have an excuse before Allah on the day of judgment. Four groups of people will have an excuse before Allah on the Day of Judgment. Okay. Uh, one group of person is the person who was um, unable to comprehend. He didn't have the faculties to reason. Okay. So we say, oh Allah, I didn't have the faculties to reason, to understand the message. The second group of people will be those people who were deaf. They say, oh Allah, we could not hear the message to understand it. And especially before the, the, um, the invention of sign language, you know what I'm saying? For people who were deaf, I mean, they were, you know, they had no way to them to understand. Then, third, the third group of people will be those who say, will say, Oh Allah, we, were, they, we died in the state of immaturity before we reached adulthood, so we were never responsible for it. And the fourth category of people will say, Oh Allah, we lived between the times of two prophets, two messengers. So there was no message on earth for us to follow. So we have an excuse before. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to you, to them, I am sending you a, a messenger. This is on the day of judgment. You see, I mean, they have no, they have no doubt what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're, they're giving their plea before Allah, why they should not go to hell. You know what I'm saying? Why they should not be held responsible. So they, they know what, where they are, what's going on, angels, paradise, hell. So Allah says, I'm sending you a prophet, a messenger. If you obey him, you'll go to paradise. If you disobey him, you'll go to hell. So a messenger comes to them. And what is the test? The messenger says to them, enter into the hellfire. A very severe test. Because there's, they're there on the day of judgment and they're seeing everything. It's not like us, we, we believe in the unseen, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we believe in something which we do not see, you know what I'm saying? We, we, but they, have, they see it all in front of them, so they have a very severe test. Enter the hellfire. Those who enter into the hellfire will find the hellfire does not burn them and they will go to paradise, you know what I'm saying? Those who stand firm and do not move, you know, saying then they'll be taken to hellfire and be burdened once they disbelieve. Yes, brother. In Muslim of Imam Ahmed. Muslim of Imam Ahmed. 
Okay, so that's, those are the two hadith now. So now we come to, now I want to come to the principle. We only have 10 minutes. We have to really, you know, squeeze ourselves. So, so, so the principle, the principle is, um, if, if, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, cut off an excuse a human being has by sending these messengers, right? And Muhammad sallallahu is the last messenger, and not only sent to one group of people, but to all of humanity, and not for one time period, but from his sending until the day of judgment. And at least we know that 1,400 and you know odd years have passed since then. Okay, so the evidence is then proving his prophethood must be so numerous that every single human being can find it, that every single human being can be uh, uh, understand it at any time they are or wherever they are. And that's why the evidence is proving the prophethood of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the truthfulness of his message and his claim are more plentiful than the oxygen and, and the water on the earth. Because you see, oxygen, throughout the earth there's oxygen. So human beings, wherever they are, they can breathe. And throughout the earth there's water for human beings to exist. And likewise, if a, if a human being doesn't have oxygen, what will happen to him? If a human being doesn't have water, what will happen to him? He does. But if a human being doesn't believe in the message of the, message of the Prophet Sallallahu what will happen to him? Run in hell. So which is the worst of the two? Right. That's, that's each, I mean, dying... I mean, we all eventually die, right? 60, 70, 80 years, I mean, what have you, you know what I'm saying, more or less, you're all going to die, right? But the hereafter is for eternity. So it would not behoove Allah, the merciful Lord, the all-wise Lord, to make water and oxygen prevalent throughout the earth for human beings and let, and let the, the truth of the message of Islam be hidden that you can only find it if you go to a certain place and, and have to put so much effort into it. That it wouldn't behoove Allah's wisdom and, and mercy. That's why the thing of calling people to Islam, don't, don't make it think it needs a lot of argumentation and not. No, it's a very simple matter. Just, you know, because the truth is that clear. The truth is that clear. And that's why when people, when they're presented the truth as it is, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're uh, just, they just are, are forced to um, uh, you know, accept. I, I remember one time, um, a brother, he told me a very interesting story. I don't know if you have this in the University of Melbourne. But we have something in the United States on most campuses, which is called, uh, you know, the uh, Campus uh, Crusade for Christ or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So what they do is typically they have these young students and something like that, one who's well-versed, who will stand like at the student union or something like that, and he will, you know, read some things in the Bible and try to bring people to Christianity. So, you know, he used to, this person was in this university, and whenever he used to say something and the Muslims would pass by, he would say, you know, you Muslims are... You know, you better, you know, believe in Christ, otherwise you're going to go to hell or something like that, you know what I'm saying? So one time one of the brothers decided, okay, let me, let me sit down with this person and, you know, set him, set him right, inshallah. So, he, 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 he stood there and let the man talk and talk until after about an hour or so the person, you know, the kid quits and, and gets tired or something like that. He said, well, I was, I, I, I heard what you said, you know what I'm saying? He said, so can we pursue the discussion further inside? So, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the college student said, okay, the college student says, okay, I've got this Muslim now. I just need to reel him in and, you know, make a convert, okay? So they went inside, and, and, and then the brother, he said to him, and he said, the brother is intelligent, mashallah. He also wants to soften his heart. He said, he said oh, perhaps, you know what I'm saying, you're thirsty. It's outside. It was very hot. It just looked like that. So let me uh, get a slice of pizza and, uh, and, and the soda for each of us. So he went to get some. So the Christian was surprised. I mean, this person is very... You know, gentle and stuff like that. Um, so, so he let the Christian person talk and so forth like that. So, so the brother he had with him a translation of the meanings of the Quran. 
So he said, he said, if he says, this is our book, Muslims. He said, have, have you read it? And, and the man, he said, no. So he just, he said, okay, let's just open it up. You know what I'm saying? They opened up to any page, you know what I'm saying? And he said, let's, let's read what it says. And they just started to read the meanings of this. He said, do you know this to be truth or do you think this is falsehood? The person said, well, you know, he didn't want to answer. He said, okay, let's open up something else. Do you think this is truth or do you think this is falsehood? He doesn't want to say. Do you think this is, opens up a third passage. Do you think this is truth or do you think this is falsehood? A fourth passage. Uh, finally, the person breaks into tears. And he says to so him, he says, okay, if you now recognize this to be the truth, then what turns your heart away from accepting it and entering into as well? So the point is, is that the evidences of the truth are, are very clear for people. And that's why I think in giving da'wah, any, any human being who takes even a translation of the meanings of the Qur'an, even though in no way it, you know, it expresses the beauty and the strength and, and the meaning of the Arabic, which is Allah's literal words, only, you know what I'm saying, and I feel this is the truth. Even if the person just comes and sees the Muslims praying, you know what I'm saying, sees the Muslim washing himself and then standing in prayer, he must, he must recognize that this is the truth. And likewise, I've even had, you know, I've heard people, brothers have told me in the United States that sometimes they're in their cars and maybe they don't have air they roll down the windows and they're playing, you know, uh, some Quran tape, and an unbeliever will come by and say, you know, what, what is this? You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, just taken back. He feels just from the power of this, you know. I, I know one brother who said he took his shahad. I said, how did you become Muslim? He said, I was, I was walking on the campus in a university, and I heard this, uh, this, you know, the sound. And the brothers were making the adhan. So I just knew that this was something, you know. What I'm saying. So I kept on following it until I came to Muslims and I, you know, entered into Islam. And the same thing was about the life of the Prophet Sallallahu So my, my point is to the brothers, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, all it's upon us just to go and just to reach people, get that information out there, because the information itself, you know, the truth is so clear that people they want to accept they'll follow. Yes, brother. Now, this is another example. SubhanAllah, I mean, it's very interesting to me how, you know. So anyway, so the point is, is that uh, the author, Rahmatullah uh, alayhi, Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, the Imam, uh, he's, you know, he's coming now to the point of Qadr and he's saying that, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so nobody has any excuse by saying, well, Allah, if you say that Allah sets astray who he wills and guides who he wills, then therefore this is injustice. He's saying, no. Allah sent the messengers as a proof, uh, you know, to establish a proof against humanity, uh, and um, as a result, uh, whoever believes, uh, follows that message, will enter into paradise. Whoever discards the message from his own choice, then he enters into hell.
whoever believes, uh, follows that message, will enter into paradise. Whoever discards the message from his own choice, then he enters into hell. And as we said, Allah assists a person. If a person wants to choose the evil path, Allah assists him in that evil path, makes it easier for him. And if a person chooses the good path, Allah assists him and increases him in guidance, increases him in taqwa. So with that, we, we end Qadr. We now enter into the, the aspect of believing in the Prophet ﷺ. So inshallah ta'ala, uh, tomorrow let us pick up at, um, at, at paragraph number 8. And I said, if you bring your masahif, that will, I think, assist um, in studying it. And try to, uh, I mean, read over these points, you know, uh, if you have some time, then we, maybe you might have some questions tomorrow we can uh, uh, answer. I know the sisters, we didn't take any of the questions of the sisters, so uh, if anybody's at fault, it's the brothers who are in charge, not, not me, inshallah. Jazakallah if you have any questions, they can pass them over. We only have five minutes now, so I think we'll stop at this point. And, Alhamdulillah, Nahmeduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa natubu ilayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'amalina man yahdihillahu falamugudillah wa man yudhul falahadillah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu rasooluh sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa ba'ad wa alaykum salam as we, just to summarize very quickly, uh, yesterday, we said we were going to study this text called Al-Qayrawaniyya, which is the introduction of the um, great author, great Imam, Ibn Abi Zayn Al-Qayrawani, in his book on fiqh. And in this introduction, he, he lists uh, a number of things which Muslims must believe. Uh, and the way I, when I translated it, I numbered it into 21 paragraphs. So yesterday we took the, the, the matters of belief dealing with Allah, his right to be worshipped, his names and attributes, that he shall only be described as he has described himself, or his prophesied as has described him. We discussed the Qur'an, belief concerning the Qur'an, that it's the literal words of Allah, that Allah spoke them. And also we discussed belief in Qajar, that everything is decreed by Allah, and that his decree refers to four matters he said his knowledge of everything, that he's written that in the preserved tablet, that he has willed everything, so what he wills is, what he does not will is not, and also that he has created everything, he's created our deeds. We discussed the issue about what does it mean when Allah guides somebody, and that is by his merit, that when Allah sets somebody astray, that is by his justice. And then we showed, we came to the point that, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the messengers as a proof a mercy and a proof against his creatures. So his creatures would not have an excuse for their existence. So that was at point eight. So now that since we're talking about the messengers, the author then decided to talk about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so, um, do we have any questions about what, what yesterday is? Anything that somebody have answered or before we go on? As if you have something, huh? Oh, okay, you have a lot of things, so... <laughs> okay, so, inshallah, time. maybe uh, we can pick up some of that uh, uh, later on. Okay, so then, um, so we said that, so we're at point number eight, that uh, he sent the messengers for the purpose of establishing the proof against humanity. And we gave the ayah from Surah Al-Shah, which proved that. 
And then the author, Rahmatullah says, Ibn Zayd al-Qayrawani, that then Allah Azawajal, he sealed al-Risala, which is, I translated as um, the office of messenger, and nadara which he means to be a warner, and, excuse me, and an nabuwa which is, I translated as prophethood, with his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he has made him the last of the messenger. Okay? So we have three things here. Uh, we want to write them on the board. Okay? We have, the first thing we have is what we would say is a nadir, a warner. Warner. And the second one which, which we have is a prophet. If you want to put the Arabic word next to it, Nabi. So you can write in English letters N-A-B-I. And the first one was Nabi, N-A-T-H-I-R or E-E-R. And the last one, number three, is messenger, which we want to translate as Rasul. I mean, which we, it's in Arabic, which we, the word is Rasul, which we translate as messenger. Now, the author, Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, says that Allah sealed all these three things with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu so in other words, after the Prophet ﷺ, there's not going to be a warner, a prophet, or a messenger. But what's the difference between these two? As you know, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was sent to whom? Who was the Prophet ﷺ sent to? Huh? To mankind. Huh? And? And the jinns. And the jinns. The Prophet ﷺ sent, was sent to humanity and the jinns. Now the jinns don't have prophets sent from themselves. But what they do have is they have warners, nadirs. Okay? And so the author, by mentioning that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam concludes the, uh, that there's no, that there's no nadir after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so that it's understood that nobody from the jinns would be selected to for the jinns. See, the jinns, they don't have prophets or messengers. But they've had nadir selected for them to warn them. So to show that from the jinns, no one would be selected after the Prophet Muhammad wasallam to warn. Okay. The second one, the second one, prophet and messenger. What's the difference? Well, maybe, maybe the brother was very kind to draw us Two circles. Uh, one big circle, then a circle inside it. Is that one? Yes. Can they do what? Oh, sure. The Jews can see each other. And they see us, but we cannot see them. Uh, <coughs> so it's okay. 
So the point is, is that the bigger circle, okay, is the circle of prophethood, Nabuwa, or prophethood. Uh, maybe put a W for you guys. Prophethood, we can say it in English. Okay. And the middle circle is Risala, or messengership, we might say it in According to the Sharia, a person is a Nabi. That means, in other words, he has Nabu of prophethood, right? What is that? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs him that he is a Nabi. According to the Sharia, a person, when does a, when does a person become a Nabi? When does a person become a prophet? Is it something that he does? Huh? No, but not, not that he sees revelation, no, but is that Allah informs him you are a Nabi. That's when a person becomes a prophet. Which is a type of revelation for Allah to inform him. But, but it is specifically Allah informing him that you are a prophet. Now, the word Nabi in the Arabic language has a meaning which is much wider than the word prophet in, in English. This is part of the problem that happens when we try to explain our religion in English terms. So we need to sort of distinguish between the two. The word Nabi in the Arabic language means he who is informed and then he informs. He who is informed and then he informs. So a prophet, according to the Sharia, is one who is informed by Allah and then he informs others. But the English word prophet doesn't have that meaning of being informed. In the English language, when somebody, is, is, if you look at the roots of what the word prophet, it means that, it, 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 that someone who tells, foretells something. But did he make it up? Did a devil tell it to him? Did he really receive it from Allah Azawajal? It's open in the English language. But in the Arabic, the Nabi, right? is one who is informed by Allah and then informed. Rasul means one who is sent. And in the Sharia, it means a Nabi who has been sent with a new Sharia, with a new law. A Rasul is a Nabi, a prophet who has been sent with a new law. The total number of prophets the total number of NBA, people who have Nabuwa, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked that by Abu Dhar, as in the hadith of Muslim of Imam Ahmed, was 124,000. Of those, 313 were messengers. 313 were messengers. Now, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, as in Surah Al-Ahzab, 
Surah Hazab is number, what, uh, not, 33, number 33. Uh, Surah 33, Ayah 40. And somebody can open up this Mus'haf very quickly just to make sure that's number 33. But I think it's Surah 33. Surah 33, Ayah 40. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ma kana, Muhammad was not or is not the father, alaykum salam, is not the father of any of your men, okay? However, walakin, he is, the Prophet sallallahu is Rasulullah, the messenger of Allah, okay? Wa khatim al And he is uh, the, 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 the messenger of Allah and the seal of the Prophet. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean that the Prophet ﷺ, you know, is uh, Rasulullah and, and that he's the Khatim and Nabi? What, what does that mean? Well, uh, it means that it affirms that he is a messenger of Allah, so he's in this circle, right? But he's the seal, he sealed this circle. Now let me ask you a question. If the Prophet ﷺ is the seal, the final prophet, right? Can somebody claim that he's a Rasul? Why? Okay, so he's inside, which means? No, I know, that's true, I mean, that's true. But I mean, but, 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 but what, but there's something more obvious. Huh? It's a subgroup. Every messenger is a Every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning the Prophet that he's a messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets, that means if anybody now comes and says, okay, no, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a Nabi, but I'm a Rasul, he can't be. And that's what some of these people have tried to claim. Like Elijah Poole, Elijah Muhammad, you know, for the black Muslims. He said, I'm not a prophet, I'm a Muslim. Like Ghulam Ahmed, the Qadianis. No, no, yes, that's true. There's final prophet. But I'm not a prophet, I'm a messenger. So, actuality, this ayah, that's why I want to spend some time on this ayah, you know what I'm saying? That we understand this ayah from Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah 33, ayah 40, huh? Because, don't worry, I'm not taking the job away. <laughs> because, uh, you know, because the, um, I mean, it's very important because you might come across people who make that argument, okay? Well, Allah says that he's the seal of the prophet, but he's not the, the seal of the messengers, okay? So therefore, I'm a messenger. So who can come now and explain that to us? Who, who's going to volunteer? Should I volunteer somebody? Further? I mean, first from the beginning, I'll explain to us that what is a Nabi and what is a Rasul and how they are together and so forth. Okay. Okay. That's right. It's a higher grade. It's a higher grade. And, and to complete it, we said there are how many prophets the hadith tells us? And how many of them were Rasul? 313. Exactly. Yes, sir. 
the hadith is in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed and the companion reporting the hadith is Abu Dhar Abu Dhar he asked the Prophet how many how many prophets were there and, and the Prophet answered with what I, I mentioned so, so the point is is that uh, as, as we just uh, mentioned that every um, prophet is uh, every excuse me every rasul every messenger is a prophet but not every prophet is a messenger okay now of the messengers of the messengers there are five which are known as ulul azm those of firm res- resolute who who knows those five messengers no all the messengers have books typically no, they, 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 they were known for their firm resolution, for their patience. Okay, so just have, uh, sorry, he started to explain. Right. Sure, sure. I, I understand what you're trying. To. I say I understand what you're saying. Yes, yes. Um, this is a very good question. I mean, the brother is saying that you know, if Asa Alayhi Salam has not died. And yet, for instance, the Prophet Muhammad has died. Does that mean that Isa now is is the you know the last prophet, the continuation, and so forth? Just for the reason. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. But but less, but more importantly for Isa and his son, because this is some sort of you know agreement to. Uh, him still being alive, as well, uh, alive with Allah as well, not not having died yet. Uh, the point is that when Isa alayhi salam returns to the earth, um, does he return with a with a new Sharia? Does he return with the law of the gospel? The Prophet sallallahu tells us that he returns to 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 um, uh, apply the Quran, the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi the law of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he comes back as a follower of the Prophet As a follower of the Prophet You see, the Prophets, all of them, from Adam, the first human being who was a Prophet, as you know, and, and, and Noah, and Abraham, Ibrahim, and Musa, and Harun, Aaron, and, and Isa, and Yahya, who they call John the Baptist in English, and the Prophet Muhammad and all these Prophets, they all had the same message to worship Allah alone, to do some acts of worship which are similar like prayer and charity and fasting, the good character, you know, obedience towards parents and so forth. But in the specifics of their law, they differ. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a specific law to the people at that time. So that's where the prophets differ. So when, when, when Asa comes back, uh, since he's now returning back at the time which is the, uh, where humanity is this final law which has been sent for humanity, which is beneficial to humanity wherever they are and what it plays. He comes back ruling with the Sharia of the Prophet. And so therefore, in, in, in that sense, he is not coming with a new law. But rather, he comes to, he comes to apply to apply the law of the Prophet, the, 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 the Prophet Muhammad That's what the Prophet told us in the Hadith in Bukhari, that the son of Mary is going to descend amongst you. He won't descend amongst the the Christians, like they imagine, who descend amongst us as a just ruler. 
The other purpose for him to descend, the other wisdom in the return of Isa alayhi salam, and as to why he uh, did not die and he was taken alive, is to, to, to bring an end to this great corruption and controversy of, of what, what, what Christianity is. This great misunderstanding. Because that's why when Isa alayhi salam returns, all the people of the scripture will enter into Islam. All the Christians will enter into Islam because they'll see that Isa alayhi salam is not the son of Allah, that he never preached that, that he was only the servant of Allah, his messenger, and that he believes in the Prophet Muhammad and he's now leading the Ummah of the Prophet and he will kill the Antichrist, the Dajjal, who will appear at that time, you know what I'm saying, and many human beings will begin to worship him. You know. This is one of the climatic things that come at the end of time. Right. Right. Sure. Right. Okay. He is a man, and, and men have the same frailties and mistakes as other men, as other human beings. That's without doubt. But the prophets of Allah, when they are, irrespective of the Prophet Muhammad or the Prophet Isa or any prophet, when they are discharging their duty, when they are, they are, you know, doing their role as of, of preaching, you know, then Allah protects them from making mistakes. Because if Allah would not protect them from making a mistake, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala would have allowed an error to pass. How could, we couldn't trust any messenger then. You see what I'm saying? I mean, like, when, when Moses now comes from the, you know what I'm saying, comes down from Mount Sinai with the commandments, you know what I'm saying? How, how, how do we know that there was, a, there was uh, commandments 11, 12, and 13, and 14, and 15, which he forgot back on the mountain? You see what I'm saying? Because, I mean, if, if you're to say that he's a human being and he received these two tablets of the Ten Commandments, okay, a human being could have three tablets and forget one. That's possible. And even in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know what I'm saying, um, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, tells us, you know what I'm saying, uh, that, uh, 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 or maybe not uh, from the... Uh, yes, Allah in the Quran, if you look in, in, in Surah 18, Surah Al-Kahf, when the, the Prophet uh, Musa alayhi salam is on that journey, and he's with his servant, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Joshua, who's also a prophet of Allah, as I said. And they forget their fish back, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, they forget, you know what I'm saying? So, how, how could you say, so you could say that, uh, I mean, it could be argued, you know, that, well, he's a human being, he might have forgotten. There might be commandments 11, 12, 13, or 14, or 15. But we know that the prophets of Allah, when they're discharging their message, they are protected from Allah for making any mistake. And so therefore, the Prophet Muhammad just like the Prophet Jesus just like the Prophet Moses when they are discharging their message, they're infallible. They have no errors in that. Either in their conduct or in their preaching. Or in their conveying. 
The difference is between the previous prophets and the, in the, and the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is that for a wisdom, Allah decreed that when those prophets left the earth, whether they died, like the Prophet Musa salam, or with Prophet Isa being raised to heaven, their, their communities no longer were able to preserve the message in its pristine form. So what happened is, after the centuries and the generations, that message got lost. Not lost in totality. Because if you go to the Christian or the Jew today, you find much in their scriptures and much in their teachings which you can recognize to be true. It must have come from the, the teachings of the original prophets. But there's, a, there's an element there which they will be first to recognize often if they're, you know, if they're you know, minded amongst them, that they don't know where the origins of it is. And even they, they have controversy amongst themselves what is part of it or not. Now, the Prophet Muhammad because he was the last prophet of Allah, his message had to be preserved. Because there is going to be no other message for humanity. And this is, we're at the end of the time. I mean, it's been 1400 years. The Prophet told us in a hadith, he said, the day of judgment was about to precede me. And he said one time that I have been sent, you know what I'm saying, the day of judgment at the same time, I preceded it just by this much. He put his two fingers together. Just like, you know, what, the middle finger is just a little bit longer than the index finger. So the sending of the Prophet Muhammad was one of the first sign of the coming of the day of judgment. And, and so therefore, now that we have passed 1400 years since the sending of the Prophet Muhammad the Day of Judgment and the, the final events of humanity are just, just around the corner. You see. Uh, when, when they will occur, only Allah knows, we can't speculate, you know what I'm saying. So, so we're coming to the end, and so, so therefore this message is still remained, you know, true and preserved as a guidance and a beacon for humanity. Okay. If we were living in the time before the sending of the Prophet Muhammad our, our testimony of faith would be there's none worthy of worship of Allah and Jesus is the messenger of Allah. And had we been living before the birth of Isa alayhi salam, our testimony of faith would be there's no worthy of worship of Allah and Moses is the messenger of Allah. And had we been living before Moses who would have been Abraham or whoever prophet or messenger we had living there uh, in his time. So I, I hope that's clear. Yeah. So, so what we were, we, were, we were saying back over here that of these messengers, there are five which are known as Ulul Azm. Those are from Masjid. And they're mentioned in Surah 42, uh, the number I gave that's in 13. Yes. And they're also mentioned in Surah Al Ahzab, also in Surah 33. I, I don't recollect the, the ayah number now. But these are the five messengers. And of these five, there are two that precede them, which is the two being Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and Ibrahim alayhi salam. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is the, the, the best of all of humanity. Okay. Now these prophets, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa one time tells us in a hadith that uh, he sees, in, in, a, in a vision, he sees the gathering of the Day of Judgment. So he sees a community of people filling the horizon. So he thinks it's his followers. And it is told to him that this is umma, the Ummah, the community of Moses, And then he sees a prophet who only has a band of people behind him. And then he sees a prophet who only has two men behind him. And then he sees a prophet who only has one man behind him. And then he sees a prophet who has nobody behind him. 
So the prophets of Allah, you know, alayhim um, as-salam, prophets of Allah, alayhim as-salam, uh, some of them, some of these messengers like Musa, alayhi salam, have this big ummah of followers, righteous followers. I mean, they had so many followers, Musa, alayhi salam, has. So many of the children of Israel were upon the truth that the Prophet, salam, thought it was his following. Even though the Prophet, salam, you know, he has, he has, the Prophet, salam, said that half of the ranks of the people of paradise will be from his ummah. I mean, half of the people of paradise will be from those who came after the sending of the Prophet Muhammad Right, so that shows us that how the, the, how the quantitative and qualitative superiority of Musa Islam's followers. And in fact, they were so numerous a multitude that even the Prophet at first thought that was his, his ummah. So how many of those people from the children of Israel were on the front of truth? I mean, there must be I mean, multitudes and multitudes. And at the same time, we find prophets who only have a few people behind them. You find a prophet, the Prophet says, who has like, two men behind him. Another prophet who only has a single individual behind him. And then there are prophets who have no followers behind him. So this is something for us to contemplate. So, but the important point, I think, for our lesson is to understand the relation between Rizada and Nabuwa. Okay? Now, um, Then the author mentions that he made the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala made the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the last of the messengers, and he sent him giving good tidings, glad tidings. He sent him warnings. He sent him as a da'i, a caller unto Allah by his permission, and he made him like a shining lamp, a shining lamp. Um, Something from the beauty of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the Quran to the sun as what? Because who knows what? Siraj and Wahaj. And he, re- he refers to the Prophet Muhammad as Siraj and Munira. So what's the difference? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the sun as Siraj and Wahaj because Siraj means something which gives light. 